0: you may be listening from. We hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT pulpit. Time for the word. Amen. 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 Sometimes it's just a few things. I would love to be able to just get up here, sing, and start preaching, but sometimes there are things that need to be said. Amen? Uh, they are family matters that we, have to, <laughs> that we have to deal with, and that's a great segue into our sermon series. We're talking about family matters. Somebody say family matters. Amen. Amen. And, uh, as the as even in prayer this week, as we were meeting at 6 a.m., God just began to... Boy, I tell you, just show me some, 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 some different things in Scripture that we're gonna dive further into. Go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter three, and uh, keep the Bible open because it's probably going to be a finger-licking Sunday. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You lick that finger and turn to this page, turn to that page. But we're gonna stay in that Word today because I believe that there are some things in the Scripture pertinent to family that I believe that God wants us to draw out and extract in the scriptures today. Amen? Amen. Our media team, I got everything to them so late, uh, but I'm hoping that they're going to rock with me. Are, are y'all rocking with me? They're going to rock with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's give a big hand to our media team back there. Brother Matt, Brother Will, who's on the one of the twos. I think Zach is back there. Amen. Brother Don, who keeps us connected globally, and we have people who are all over the country, and even other parts of the world, who tune in to Revival Tabernacle here in Highland Park, and and that consider this their church home. So, right here from from the pulpit, I know some of the names. Sister Lori, who was here last week, but who's back in D.C., she's watching. Brother Brent Stevenson, who who I love and cherish, he's down in South Carolina, he's watching. Uh, Just, you know, everybody who's tuned in today, we Thank you for tuning in via the web stream. But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation uh, just because there are just some specific things that I think will just be very uh, prevalent to our time together. Just a point we're going to make and then we're going to shout amen and go home. Amen. Good to see Brother Danny back in the service today. My man, I've been thinking about you and missing you. It's so good to see you today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Lord, have mercy. That messed me up this week. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family, verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established, somebody say rooted and established, in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20, we oftentimes hear quoted, but Maybe we don't necessarily connect it with what we just read, but it says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, somebody say within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This morning we're going to continue with Family Matters. And I want to coin this message today. uh, The family that prays together (laughs) stays together. Look at somebody and say, the family that prays together stays together. I know it may be a little cliche-ish, but it really fits for what I'm going to be dealing with today. Let's say it one more time. A family that prays together stays together. Thought I would start off with a little funny that I found on the internet. It said a little boy was spending the night with his grandma and grandpa's house. Kneeling beside his bed with his grandparents, he softly said his prayers. Dear God, please bless mommy and daddy and all the family. Thank you for letting me stay with grandma and grandpa tonight. Bless them and please give us all a good night's sleep. Then suddenly he looked up and shouted, And dear God, please don't forget to give me the bicycle for my birthday. There's no need to shout like that, his grandmother said. God's not deaf. And then the little boy replied, says, No, but my grandpa is. And I want to be sure that he heard me too. (laughs) One more funny, I couldn't let him, I couldn't let it go, brother. Johnny had been misbehaving and was sent to his room. After a while, he emerged and informed his mother that uh, he had thought it over like she had said and then said a prayer. Mother was quite pleased that he had learned his lesson so quickly and had prayed like she told him to. She said, that's good. If you ask God to help you not misbehave, he will help you. Johnny said, oh, I didn't ask him to help me not misbehave. I asked him to help, me put up, to help you put up with me. That's what I asked him. Sometimes it's all about the perspective. Family that prays together stays together. Uh, this morning... I want to kind of use what Paul begins to pray here in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And even though he's not talking directly to family, I think there are some principles and concepts that we can extract from this prayer and apply to our family dynamic, if you will. And in these verses, I I pulled together, and I won't spend a whole lot of time on each one, but I pulled together about six characteristics of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians that I think that we can apply to our families. So let's dig right into it. I think the first thing is family humility. Family humility. Family humility. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14, you'll see this. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. I kneel before the Father. I don't think that we, as the body of Christ, do too much kneeling like we should. I think that, yeah, I know it's a it's more about, it's more about the, the posture of the heart than it is the posture of the person. But I think something is to be said about when we come to the Lord and we kneel in prayer. Kneel before the Father. Kneel when we're asking. Paul makes his, makes his prayer from a position of humility. When you kneel It is a posture of humility. Paul kneels in prayer. This past week, I was blessed to lead the prayer 6 a.m. on Thursday morning. And the Lord began, this is when the Lord began to kind of mess me up with this. And we, I began to admonish the people. Listen, if you have a moment, if you're not too busy, quiet down with all your busyness and let's just kneel before the Lord. Everyone in their own space and place, just just kneel before the Lord. Because something happens when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Uh, I know we can pray all kind of ways. And the Lord hears all of the prayers. We can sit together around a dinner table. The kids can lie in their beds at night, like my girls do. We can stand. The physical posture is not as important as the condition of the heart. For James 4 and 6 says, but he gives more grace. That's why the scriptures say, uh, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Only as we humble ourselves before the Lord will we be in a position to properly receive anything from him. If we want to be in position that God will hear us, we must first, my brothers and sisters, humble ourselves. We know the scripture in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. It says, if my people will humble themselves and pray. The Bible says, then will I hear from heaven. Can I tell you something? If, if you don't take the proactive opportunity to humble yourself, God has a way of humbling you for you. Okay. God has a way of, of, of bringing you down to size. <laughs> God has a way of, 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 of moving in a way to where you know without a shadow of a doubt that this is God trying to get your attention because he wants you to humble yourselves and become humble before him because the proud will be made a base. What is, the, what is on the inside will find expression in what we say and do. How many know that to be true? The Bible, it says in the book of Matthew, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. But I also think out of the abundance of the heart, the life will speak and the life will do. The life will do whatever is in your heart. If I have humbled myself, then I will at times kneel before the Lord. I love Pastor Ken. A lot of times in worship, and Sister Heidi, and so many others, they will, even during the midst of worship, come to the altar and kneel before the Lord. They're humbling themselves before God. They're getting in a posture and a position to say, God, without you, I am nothing, so I kneel before you. I'll be honest. Even as a pastor, I probably don't kneel in prayer enough. And if you're honest, you can probably say that you probably don't kneel in prayer enough. Maybe it's because of our schedules. Kneeling in prayer takes some time and for some of us takes a little bit more time than others. And maybe it's not so much getting down but it's the getting back up. (laughs) But let me tell you this, if you had never stopped, it wouldn't even be hard to get down and get back up. Sometimes the rest of this comes from the fact that you haven't done it in a while. Lord, help me in this place. Kneeling in prayer takes more time than praying on the go. <laughs> oh, y'all know how we do sometimes. I'm gonna get this in, and then while we driving, Lord, I thank you for this day as, you, as you. Oh, come on! I ain't the only one that's done did that. Y'all know that I'm. Don't make me feel like I'm by myself in this big old church. And you justify it, you know. Watch and pray. No, that's not what he's talking about. Perhaps we need to rethink our position of prayer and take time to kneel before the Lord, individually and as a family. And as a family, we, we took a little two day vacation a few days, uh, just, just a few days ago. Went down to Great Wolf Lodge and while we're in the room, I mean God was pressing this on my heart this week so much. I said, come on girls, we, we're gonna get down on our knees and pray. Kaylin said, Why do we have to get down on our knees, Daddy? I said, Because sometimes it's the posture of prayer that really shows God, God, we're serious about what it is that we're asking for. We're, We're coming to you because we can't do this on our own, but we need to call upon the name of the Lord. Psalms, look, turn to Psalms 95 and 6. Psalms 95 and 6. Encourage you just to even underline this in your Bible, Psalms ninety-five and six. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. It is He that has made us, the Bible says in Psalms one hundred, and not we ourselves. Oh, come on, I know there are a lot of people in this place, and even in the circle that you may frequent, and you may say, well, I, you know, pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I got my own education. I was able to do this on my own and do this for myself. Let me tell you something. It is not you that made yourself. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. And so here he is and he's, he's admonishing us. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Amen. Kneeling before God is a way of acknowledging who he is. He is the Lord, our maker. <laughs> we are only servants. We are simply bags of dust which he breathes the breath of life into and we need to be reminded sometimes that we have to humble ourselves i know you got it all going I-, I know you got it all going on you know, people look to you, People, you may be in position in your corporate setting, you may be the boss, living large and in charge, you may be the head uh, uh, HR person, you may be the boss, the manager, the director, the VP, let me tell you something, it doesn't matter who you got reporting into you, you want to make sure that every single day you're making sure that you're reporting to headquarters, and your headquarters is not here on earth, your headquarters is in heaven, and sometime as the product of his manufactured hands, you have to. Buy before the Lord and say, Lord, hallelujah, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, hallowed be thy name in all the earth, you are exalted on high, God, you made me, it is not in you that I move there and move and have my being, God, apart from you, I am nothing, God, but with you, I know that I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength, and if I don't have you today, God, I won't make it through this day, but give us this day, my daily bread and I think us as human beings especially us here in America because we get things so easily when we take time to literally kneel and bow before the Lord it does something to our hearts because we're not going around kneeling before other people But this, this we reserve for him and him alone. And I believe that God longs to have something from us that we don't just give to anybody. Oh, boy, I I said something there. I mean, even when we're in relationships, let me talk to husband and wife or people that are maybe in relationships in this building. You don't want your mate or your significant other giving you something that they didn't gave everybody else. You don't want your husband calling every other person that he come, every other woman that he comes in contact, hey baby, what are you talking about? Hey honey. No, 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 no. I reserve that for the one that I love. Only Courtney's gonna get Those affectionate words those terms of endearment only God should get the courtesy of kneeling before him and see if we're honest about it though it may not be in physical posture we kneel before a whole lot of other things That job, you kneel for that job. Oh yeah, When they call and say, uh, uh, no, you have to be here on Sunday. Let me not go there, let, let, let me not, let me not. You go at breakneck speed to make sure that you're there. But when it comes to the things of God, You become very lackadaisical. When it comes to the things of God, I just, you know, I I just, I couldn't find nothing to wear on Sunday so that's why I stayed home. Uh, You knew Sunday was coming. (laughs) We prepare more for other things than we do the things of God. Why am I on this today? Lord have mercy here. We give more consideration for the doctor's appointment when he is the ultimate physician. We give more consideration. And let me just tell you something. God reminded me, I had been dealing with this phlegm this in my throat for a year or more. That's been, it, it's, been, it's, it's been a thorn in my side, as Paul would say. And I, I, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been struggling with it. I, I, I would take. I, lately, I was, was resorting to this Mucinex. You ever heard of Musinex? Well, they got this one that has DM, and I was like, "Well, that just sounds important." Didn't really know what it was. And I mean, I was taking it not only at night, but but even in the morning, and not realizing why am I falling asleep as I'm driving. And this thing has been nagging me, nagging me, and nagging me. And then all of a sudden, while we were away, God says to me, honest to goodness you, God says, your father. In other words, what he was saying was, you've been praying to me about healing your dad, and you're seeing the healing virtue of your dad come and unfold right before your eyes, but you won't even lean on me for some phlegm that's stuck in your throat. if he can touch someone who the doctor said was, was at death's door, who they said the stroke happened in the worst possible place that a stroke can happen. And he probably would never be able, he would be a vegetable, he would never be able to talk, he would never be able to move. And dad is tracking, he's talking, he's moving his arms, he's moving his legs, he's wiggling toes. He's doing everything that he said that he would not be able to do. But God was able to turn that situation around, and I'm still talking about Mucinex DM. And the moment I said, God, I repent and I begin to turn over to the Lord, God began loosening that thing up. <laughs> and whereas I was going nights when I would wake up in the middle of the night because I could not swallow, because it was just all dried up, I, God began to loosen up and air passages began to open up. And today I'm claiming healing in the name of Jesus. But you know what? We so often resort to God last. Oh, y'all remember the uh, woman with the issue of blood? Spent all those years and her money going to doctor after doctor. And the Bible says, grew none the better, only worse. But she heard about Jesus was passing by. And she said, if I could just but touch the hem of his garment. And let me tell you something about the hem of the robe that he wore. In that day, the priests would wear a robe and they would have tassels at the bottom of the robe. At the bottom of the robe would be 614 tassels along the fringe hem of their garment. The 614 tassels was a representation of the 614 laws given to the children of Israel. We know them as the Ten Commandments, but they're really 614 laws. And I believe that in one of those tassels was the tassel of healing. In one of those tassels was the tassel that says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of his peace was Upon me, and with his stripes we are healed today. I don't know if she touched the right one, but the fact that she says, If I could just but touch him, I'd be made whole. And the Bible says, straightway, or another translation says, immediately, her issue was dried up. When you begin to take hold to God's word and you begin to plant yourself like a tree planted by the rivers of water, not being shaken, not being moved, I promise you God would do something in your life. As Ephesians 3 and 20 said, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. According to the power that what? Works in you. It's up to you to activate the word of God for your life. Why is humility important? Spent more time on this than I thought I would, but let me just give this to you. If we have a hard time humbling ourselves before God, watch this, how do we ever expect to humble ourselves before and with our family? Oh, let's just be honest about this thing. We're not always right. Oh, for some of y'all, that was breaking news. <laughs> I should have put some flashing things on the screen. Oh, oh, you didn't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you're not always the right one in your household. And sometimes it requires you to go back to your spouse, or go back to your children. Oh, this is a hard pill for a lot of us to swallow and say, you know what? Daddy was wrong. Mama was wrong. I was wrong in this situation and, and I'm sorry. Let me tell you something, I have learned the power of saying sorry to my wife because being happy is more important than being right. Sometimes, even in our family dynamic, even with your children, hear me good, don't tune me out. Don't tune me out. Even with your children, with your family, whoever it is in your family, with your siblings, with your parents, whatever it is, let me tell you something. Sometimes you got to lay down your right to be right. And humble yourself because the word of God declares that we should follow peace with all men and holiness, watch this, for without which no man shall see the Lord. I want to see Jesus. I said, I want to see Jesus. So it don't matter. It don't matter if I feel like, you know, she not hearing my point. Well, they need to know. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, come on. I mean, let's just be honest. Some of us, some of us are raised in households or maybe we had grandparents that, you know, we had a grandfather that ruled with an iron fist and, and though that, though that may have been the example laid before us, that's not necessarily the way of the word. That may be the way of the world, but that's not the way of the word, Bible talks about submitting yourselves one to another. (sighs) Then spend 30 minutes on point number one. Lord have mercy. (laughs) First Peter three and eight says, finally, all of you, watch this. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Watch this. And here's that word again. And humble. 1 Peter 3 and 8. That's where that's found. If you didn't get it, mark it down. Go back and read it. Rehearse it to yourself. Get it in your system. If we're going to live the kind of life God expects, it begins with our relationship with God, then to our family. And see, some of us have unsaved Members in our family and we, let me tell you something we can do all the praying that God will save them all we want but if we don't start showing love to them well y'all got real quiet on this so let, me, let me come back and talk to, my, to talk, talk to my side you know this side y'all be lit for me so I appreciate that if we don't start showing love to our unsaved family members guess what? They ain't never going to listen to the Jesus that you're talking about. And See, something happens. Something happens when you kneel in prayer. Um, you know, that, there's this term that they use called throwing shade. Okay. Y- 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 y'all know what throwing shade is? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, it's for some of y'all who don't know, because my mom was over there, she's like, I don't know what throwing shade is. I- I'm, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. Throwing shade is when you begin to talk about somebody else. Talk about, the, you know, uh, there's it, a term that, that originated down south that called spilling tea. Because people at lunchtime would get, to, or the ladies, predominantly ladies, I'm not, talk, I'm not saying ladies up here, I'm just saying this is where it originated from. They would get together at, at, at high noon and drink tea. And as they would drink their tea, they would begin gossiping. And so they call it spilling tea. Go to the Urban Dictionary. That's where I found it. So I know all about it. I told you I'm, I'm gonna get up on this thing. <laughs> so so throwing shade is all about that. And, and and it's like when you begin telling all the all, all the bad things about. It. And 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 so when, and, and so when people begin talking about you, you can say, Oh boy, that boy, you shady. Let me tell you something about prayer. Prayer is real shady. Because you may get down on your knees trying to pray for somebody that may have done something against you, and all of a sudden God starts revealing stuff about yourself. Prayer gets real shady. Prayer gets real shady because it starts showing you yourself when your intention was God get them, and God said, no, I, I need to get you. If we're going to be the kind of live the kind of life that God expects it, then God expects it to begin with our relationship with God and then our family. We need to be willing to humble ourselves. Hundreds of wives, husbands, and wives, parents, and children, and yes, even within the, the sibling rivalry ranks, we need to humble ourselves. Some of us have sisters and brothers that we haven't talked to in months or years. Knock that one out of the park. We need to begin to be rooted and established in love, as the scriptures say. And show love. No sense in you praying that God will save them if you're not willing to talk to them in love. Because I told you time and time again, you may be the closest thing to a Bible that anybody will ever read. Let me move on. Family that prays together, stays together because they share family humility. But they also share the family name. Let me talk about the family name. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15 says this. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Verse 15 says this. Watch this. From whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. <laughs> we are more than a church family. We are indeed family. We are more than just a church, we are family in this place. You might be here with the last name Johnson. You might be here with the last name Squires. You might be here with the last name Lumpkin. You might even be here with the last name Goff or McDade, whatever the case may be, Heard. You might be here with the last name Rice. You might be here with the last name Shepherd. I mean, how more golly can you get than having the last name Shepherd? (laughs) But you have an identity that is greater than your family surname. You are part of the family of God. I thought I'd get a a few more hallelujahs than that. I said, you are part of the family of God. And with God as our Father, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Many times Paul would begin his letters saying a very familiar phrase. And if I say it, you guys would probably be able to pick it up and even finish the statement. But he would always start off by saying, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, when he would begin writing letters to Rome and to Corinth, to Galatia, to the church in Ephesus, Philippi, Colossi, wherever he was, Paul greeted them with grace and peace of God, our Father. We are members of God's family, and thus we have a common family name. Within our families, we share a relationship with each other that goes beyond family ties. How many people remember the phrase or the saying that people would oftentimes say? Well, you know, blood is thicker than water but spirit is thicker than blood. Chris is no less my brother than Duran is. That's my brother. I don't have any biological sisters. Mom and daddy had three boys in which I'm the youngest. But Regina is my sister. Why, because we have decided to, to follow Jesus. We have decided to follow Christ. And so, the day that she became a follower of Christ and the day I became a Christian, we became brothers and sisters in the Lord. You're my brother. You're my sister. My children are not just my daughters. Watch this. Courtney is not just my wife. David and Carolyn are more than my parents. Nieces and nephews, grandmas and grandpas in Christ. My fa- in Christ, my family members are also my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when we get to heaven, she will no longer be my mama. That's my sister in the Lord. Oh, y'all missing what I'm saying here. Our relationship as family will only last a lifetime, but our relationship with our brothers and sisters will last for all of eternity. And I wanna know that my children, and one day my children's children, are present and accounted for when we all get to heaven. I don't want family members to be left behind and excluded from God's forever family. I want them to be a part of what God begins to do in the new heaven and the new earth. I want my family to share God's family name. Though we may be gulfs down here on earth, first above all, and above all anything else, we are Christians. And it don't matter if you're black or white. Let me tell you something. God has unified us in the spirit. And there's no greater unity than in the spirit of God. By Paul even begins to call out, there's no male or female, no, no race separation, no ethnic separation. We are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. As families, we have no greater prayer that we can pray together than that, those whom we love to be included in the family of Christ. That's why our mission is very clear. The very first thing up there is reach sinners. And sometimes that starts right in our own household. Why? Because I don't want anybody to be lost. It's Especially those that know me the best. I want to be able to sing together with one great chorus in three-part harmony. Yes, in three-part harmony. (laughs) When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it's going to be. When we all see Jesus, we're going to sing and shout the victory. Family that prays together stays together because they not only share family humility, they also share a family name, and that's Christian. But I believe I probably only get through point number three. I promise I will pick this back up next Sunday if we run out of time, but I believe one of the, uh, one of the most important ingredients in this whole thing is family provision. Family provision. One of the simplest things and most natural times to pray together as a family is around the dinner table. <laughs> this brings so much laughter to me because in the golf household, when we, when we sit at the table, the girls are accustomed to saying the same prayer. And Reagan gets so excited when I say, say your grace. At 20 months, she puts the biggest smile on her face, and she clasps her hands together, and she smiles. And though she thinks she's saying all the words articulately and accurately, she's, I mean, we don't really know what she's saying, but she's a part of the family, and she's saying something. And we say, God is great. God is good. And we thank you for our food. And here's one word that she says very clear, amen. Amen. We get so creative, I even started singing a song. We make up our own songs. I say, God is great, God is good, and we thank you. For this food. Ooh, God is great. And we start singing it, and I mean, they be clapping, food getting cold, Courtney getting frustrated. (laughs) But me and the girls be having a good time singing about God is great. Now, when I was a little boy growing up, we would always say the same exact prayer, And, and me and my brothers, we learned it from our parents. And, and, and the prayer went something like this. God, we thank you for this food that we are about to receive for the nourishment of our bodies. Bless it and sanctify it in Jesus' name. Amen. And then we started putting this little thing on it. Jesus wept. Now, I don't know what Jesus weeping has to do with the food that was in front of us. I mean, Jesus wept at Lazarus's tomb. Lazarus was a dead man, I don't know. Maybe we're talking about the dead chicken that gave his life so that we might have life more abundant. I don't know. I don't know what Jesus wept came from in the family tradition. Mama, I'm looking for answers. We can talk about it after service, don't even worry about it, don't, don't even worry about it. She, she ready to give it to me now, now let me tell you. But even after we would say Jesus, what well, Mama would always say one thing, she would say, "And God is love." <laughs> she said it to this day. If we get done praying and blessed over the food. We be out. God is love. As family, we ought to thank God for how He has provided for us day to day. Amen. Jesus even talks about this uh, when He begins to. Teach the disciples the model of prayer in Matthew chapter six, right around verse eleven. He says, "And give us today our daily bread." As family, we should pray together that God would meet not only our physical needs, but then in John fifteen and seven, turn to there. T- turn there. I told you. I told you. We're gonna flip through the scriptures. John chapter fifteen. John chapter 15, verse 7. When you have it, say, man. If you don't have it, say, wait on me. I got you covered. John 15, that's the fourth of the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. That's after you cross over that blank page that's in the middle of your Bible, separating the Old Testament from the New Testament. We call it the intertestamental period. (laughs) But go past Matthew, go past Mark, go past Luke, you'll find John and then go 15 chapters in and there will be John. John chapter 15 verse 7, it says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Let me read that again. If you remain in me, King James says like this, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you will and it will be given to you. We can ask God to meet all of our needs. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that we can literally ask God to meet all of our needs? Because Jesus said it right here. He says, Jesus said that, 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 that uh, ask for whatever, whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. However, you can't overlook the prerequisite. <laughs> you can't overlook. The if of the if-then the if clause. The prerequisite for you having that power to ask whatever you will, <laughs> whatever you want. And the scripture say that it will be given to you. I mean, how many people want that kind of power? Amen. To where you can ask whatever you want, <laughs> and it's going to be given to you. But you can't overlook the one prerequisite. He says, remain in me. And let my word remain in you. I mean, it's like he gives you this blank check. But you can only spend it at this store. (laughs) Now, in this, in this one store, I mean, it truly is a one-stop shop. <laughs> whatever it is you need, you can find it in God's grocery store. I mean, whatever. I mean, unlike Walmart, it really is a superstore. But you got to remain in me and let my word remain in you. See, see, this type of power that Jesus is talking about here is not given to the immature believer. It's given to the believer that have grown and matured because they're, they're remaining in him and they're allowing him to remain in them. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this type of power is only for those who have been around for a while. I'm not talking about length of time. I'm talking about the the quantity of word that you have on the inside of you. I'm talking about that when people begin smelling you, they smell Jesus. What's that smell? Jesus. What's that? Holy Ghost. <laughs> that should be your fragrance of the day. What's that smell? Oh, that's the word. I bathed in it this morning. And see, when, when you have, when you abide in him and his word abides in you, See, this is the reason why he can give you the blank check with so much freedom. Watch this. Because he knows that you're not going to ask for things that you should not have. Because when you remain in him and his word remains in you, he knows that you're not going to say, God, kill him. He didn't did me wrong for the last time, and I'm not going to take it no more. God, get rid of him right now. You said I can ask for whatever I will and it's going to be given to me. God, kill him. Take him out. Take him away from here. Not today. Let him walk in the middle of the street on Woodward Avenue and a bus come by and hit him. See, when you abide in him and his word abides in you, you don't ask for that kind of stuff. No matter how wrong somebody has wronged you or hurt you, You say, Father, forgive them. Father, bless them. I know they hurt me, and it hurts really bad, but God, I pray that you would bless them and open up the eyes of their heart and understanding, God. Let them have a real encounter with you, God, and God, become more of their portion than you already are, God. And then, when it actually happens for them, you rejoice. And see, for some of us, and I'm closing, I knew I wasn't going to get through this. Uh, for some of us, we, even when it comes to even our interpersonal relationships, whether it's family, siblings, or even spouses, we, we have to realize that when God begins doing it, he's doing it for your good. There are people who pray, God, I wish you would just give me a new husband. The same one, but a new one. Be careful what you ask for. Because When God, when you invite God into the situation and he begins doing things the way that he longs to do them, you thought you cried many nights. As long as you wait on him, he will begin to work all things together. For your good. Why? Because you are the called according to his purpose. And at the end of the day, you have to just lift your head and say, God, I thank you that you never turned a deaf ear to my cry. You never turned a deaf ear to my prayer or my request. And though you may be working it out in a way that's not comfortable for me to work out, know that the trine of my faith worketh patience and if i let patience have her good and perfect work work i will be complete and mature lacking nothing and i think that's what we all long to be not only as individuals but also as families and we are lacking nothing at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.